Hi everybody and welcome to a special Nano Nerd Cognito. I'm Ryan David and I'm joined for this Nano Nerd Cognito by Bert. Hey Bert, what's going on? Hi, not too much, Ryan. How you doing tonight? Oh, I am doing just dandy. You know, it is uh, the end of a week. I'm looking at a long weekend. I've got the wife out of state. I'm going to have the rug rat at grandma's house. And I was really looking forward to actually coming out your way and rocking it out at the casino. And then they forecasted nine feet of snow. I saw that. My plan is my plan was to come out and visit and uh, play, maybe play some board games with you this weekend. And it doesn't look like that's going to happen. They said that Sunday is going to be a nightmare. Well, maybe Saturday. We'll, we'll have to put our heads together and look at the calendar. But uh, I am wide open. There is not going to be any debauchery or womanizing this weekend. It's going to be me and PJ Pants and a couch unless someone shows up or unless the snow goes away. So, uh, well, we're here for a Nano Nerd Cognito. It's the inaugural Nano Nerd Cognito. We've never done a short format before. People are probably wondering what the hell a Nano Nerd Cognito is. You know what a Nano Nerd Cognito is, right? Well, I mean, you just explained it to me. We're going to review one topic rather than our usual two or three, plus the news. So, uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to take one hyper-focused look at one topic in nerd culture and it's one that we've talked about before there's no reason to hide it and if you clicked on this link to listen to the show you know we're talking about the board game otis which is like our super clearance discovery du jour here at nerd cognito i stumbled on it at our local gaming store for like 20 bucks and bert you found it online at, at the zon it was even cheaper 16 yeah 16 dollars plus shipping so we will definitely link it in the show notes um Look, let's, let's just call it 20 bucks, right? And we played it this last week at gaming, and my bar was set pretty low based on what I paid for it, and I was kind of blown away. Agreed. I mean, the, for the cost, you don't expect to get anything. No, and for that little bit, you know, you're pretty much just covering distribution. So the developer is clearly... You know, they've clearly cut the strings on it. So while it's out there, I would pick it up for that 20 bucks because I don't think we're going to see it again, especially if they're clearing it out at that price. I mean, I know what the infra costs are just to get stuff on the shelf. And uh, there's not a lot of money to be made at that price point, even for the big guys like Amazon. But uh, let's talk about the game. Uh, Otis, for those of you that don't know what we're talking about it's it's an underwater exploration competitive sort of point salad but not exclusively I, I don't know how to describe it um here's the stinger in the middle of the 22nd century 300 years after a great catastrophe right the world flooded think water world but don't think kevin costner and uh you are the colonists on one of these floating colonies and it is your task to command a team of divers to rescue the debris of the civilizations gone by that are well under the ocean. And you are manipulating your divers to recover the most useful materials 
And, of course, in the game mechanic, gain the most points. So, um, it got me at undersea exploration. I'm always a sucker for underwater sci-fi. With the exception of John Brandis. <laughs> oh, you weren't a Sequest kid. I got it. Uh, no, I loved, well, seasons one and two of Sequest. Season three was kind of a shit show. But, um, excluding Jonathan Brandis, I, I really, really did dig Sequest. So it wasn't the hyper-intelligent dolphin that you hated. It was Jonathan Brandis. It was not the hyper-intelligent dolphin that I hated. It was, in fact, Jonathan Brandis that I That's that I fair. Disliked. That's fair. Uh, I kind of I like the dolphin. Anyway, in Otis, there is no Jonathan Brandis, nor is there a hyper-intelligent dolphin. But there are, well, let's start with taking the box lid off. There are some really interesting player boards and components Tell them about these player boards. I can't get enough of them. Agreed. I mean, the quality on them is great. They're, um, you know, they're made from sturdy materials. Like I was expecting something flimsy right out of the box. And these are great. I mean, they're slotted to hold your pieces. You Right. It's a multi-layer cardboard print that mechanically actually adds to the function of the game. And you're, like Bert said, your pieces sort of slot in there. And during gameplay, you shuffle pieces around, and because of the slots that are built into these player boards, um, everything moves around quite nicely. Uh, the boards represent the different levels of the ocean, right? So you have your civilization at sea level, and then you have, I believe it was five undersea levels. Correct. Five undersea levels, um, varying depths, and then, of course, you know, depending on the mechanic, the deeper you go, the more resources you can obtain at that level and things like that or maintain at that level. So there, it matters kind of which level you're playing on when you're trying to fulfill a contract or gather a particular resource, that kind of thing. Right. You have to manage your divers, and the divers obviously move up and down, mostly down in the levels until you use them and then they cycle back up to the top in in a cyclical sort of mechanic but you have to manage the divers each of which has a unique ability or collects a unique resource to do like collection point salad style uh based on some private and or community goals and you score victory points the interesting thing is how you manipulate your divers not only changes your game board, but it changes the community board in the middle. So there's some strategy there with how you can suck or blow the plans of one of your competitors. Not to mention, I started the game making the fatal mistake of trying to think three or four rounds ahead. And I quickly learned that it is a game that forces you to not only pay attention for your turn and your strategy, but it keeps you engaged while the other players are doing theirs too, because nothing really can be pre-planned as the board shifts and moves with those lovely slots, right? Absolutely. Now, the thing that kind of got me was it wasn't fully reactionary either. Like, you could make a plan, but you could only plan maybe one or two moves ahead because you could influence or affect other players' plans. So you could plan one or two moves ahead, but by the time the round completed, you couldn't plan that far ahead. More than a round or two, you were pretty much back to square one 
when it came to the planning stage. Right. It's great to have the long-term goals, but it almost seemed like because of the mechanics of the game, there was really an emphasis on uh, management in the now, if that makes sense. I don't know if that's a good phrase for it, but there isn't like an archetype of play that you could really follow because of the changes to the community board. Um, So it really did sort of test your management skills on the fly, which I think is very appropriate for the theme of the game. You know, you're on wiped out apocalyptic water world. You're not going to have a five-year plan. You're going to have a what's down there, what can we get, and what can we make work right now plan. And um, I got fortunate in the early game, and things just lined up for me. And I totally attribute that to luck. And then when I started to lull off of the luck hump because I was looking too far into the future, and by the time I realized I needed to start working and start working now, I was a handful of points behind and I couldn't recover it. You're right, the planning is very limited. And I found myself looking around at the other player boards, not necessarily to see what I can do to impact the other players, but to determine what my short-term course of action is going to be. What, where can I score? Even if it's not the most optimal score, where can I score that no one else is going to be sort of fucking things up on? It almost seems like the game rewards the player with the best like short-term efficiency because all the players have the same divers with the same abilities To start with. Right. And then the changes you make from there sort of determine your plan moving forward. But it kind of rewards you for making changes on the fly and being able to react to something that happened and not just waste a turn. Right. And I do feel that when I was in that lull that I was talking about that I probably wasted two or three turns. And that cost me the game and that prick Michael Right. And that that victory, like he just snuck it out. Like I didn't see it coming at all until all of a sudden he was at victory condition. Negative thoughts about Otis, Bert. What what, would strike you as its biggest flaw? Well, I mean, as somebody who enjoys strategy games and is somebody who enjoys playing the long game sometime, there's none of that here. Like you cannot maintain a long game strategy effectively in this game. So if you're somebody who's plan out your victory from the beginning and try to work towards that, you're going to have a lot of trouble with this game. So it's it's a bun, it's a kind of a interesting mechanic, but it's also a deficit if you're somebody who plays the long game. It's also not a terribly long game. Agreed. Um once you get over the hump of learning the game, I think gameplay could probably What do you think you can bang that out in an hour, huh? I would agree with that assessment. Depending on the contracts that come up and if people are scoring right away, it could even go less than that. Right, and if I, I can see that if you've got a bunch of strategy hounds sitting around that are sort of developing a plan, although it won't work for the reasons that you said, it could go a little longer. I honestly don't remember what the box time was. Let me look that up. Box time on the game is 60 minutes, so we are, we're right on target with, with the timing. And for a brand new game that we had never played out of the box, the... Uh, oh, I'm going to stop the, you. I'm going to stop oh, you. Sure. It's not a brand new game, which is probably why it's in the $20 shelf. It, it was released in 2017, 
Hmm. I'm pretty with it when it comes to board gamer releases. Don't remember seeing it before a few months ago. I never saw anything about it previously before either. When I said new game, I meant new to us. Right, like new we to just us. opened the box and decided to play. We had no experience going in. The rules weren't difficult to figure out. Like things seemed to fit together pretty well once you learned like the symbolism and things like that in the game. And that brings me to my bitch about the game. Um, and it's not so much a bitch, it's just a nitpick. The rules, I think, were very clearly penned in a non-English language and then translated. Uh, there are some sticky things in the rules that don't quite make sense when you're just reading it on paper, but once you get into the game, you're like, oh, yeah, that's what he's talking about. Don't know for sure. Don't care enough to look it up, but uh, it sort of had the feeling of, of an English manual to me, so... That would be my biggest complaint. Um, I would absolutely play it again. I think that it is a pretty quality game that might have just fallen through the cracks because it was not a major publisher. So, hey, I, I, I give it uh, give it my seal of approval, and at the price point, you just cannot beat it. I would give it my seal of approval, too. I would definitely play it again. Now that we know how the mechanic works, you kind of know how far in advance the plan Second playthrough should be much easier than the first. Right, and I would be willing to bet that if we were playing it, same group, everybody already knows the rules, would bang it out in 45 minutes. So, does it qualify as a shorty? Not necessarily. But it definitely can scratch the itch when you're like, oh, goodness, I don't want to roll until 5 in the morning, but we still have enough time to play one more game. Right, you know, you finish up something early, you've got an hour or so left in your session, break it out and play it, because it's not like uh, it's not like Twilight Imperium where you're going to be there <laughs> until tomorrow. That is true. Tomorrow, next week. Um, <laughs> Nano Nerdcognito, seal of approval from both me and Bert, and uh, I say go get it. Click on the link in the show notes. It will take you to the Zon. That link will also give us a little slice of the cheap $20. So, like I said, nobody's making any money on this one. Um, definitely pick it up. I don't see it being reprinted or redistributed, especially seeing that it's effectively three and a half, four years old and 20 bucks on the shelf for this kind of game. There's no reason not to get it. Well, what's 20 bucks anymore? Action figure, Wait. which Walmart... Screwed up my order, by the way, Bert. Oh, really? Yes, they canceled Battle Armor Skeletor. Oh, no. Battle Damage Skeletor isn't coming? He is not coming. But that is for another time, because this episode of Nano Nerd Cognito has come to an end. Overall, we say, Otis, 20 bucks, go buy it. Well, thanks for jumping in with me, Bert. Put this out right quick, because I know we've been promising our audience... Something about Otis for quite some time, and we finally delivered in a micro format. I'm Ryan David. That is Bert. Say goodbye, Bert. Goodbye, Bert. We will talk to you next time on Nerd Cognito. Nerd!